You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and we are so happy to have you back with us today. Well, we have got a heck of an interview today for you. Now, as you know, D&B Supply is a big sponsor of the Snake River Stampede, and I was lucky enough to get to go to the Stampede twice this year, once as a spectator and once uh, selling concessions for my daughter's 4-H group. And uh, both nights I was there, I got to watch this incredible performance kind of in between the different events. And it was by this young man named Loop Rollins, who does trick roping twirls some pistols around and uses some bull whips and he does some incredible incredible stuff with lighting the the rope on fire and spinning it around him while it's on fire and and you look at something like that and you go oh my goodness there there must be some there's something to this we don't know those flames aren't that hot or there's something we don't know well it turns out they are that hot and today we have the pleasure of having loop on the show and he's going to be talking with us all about what he does and how he got started and actually how hot those flames really were and if you were lucky enough to be at the snake river stampede and to see his performance you know exactly what i'm talking about but of course if you're wondering what i'm talking about you can just go right over to looprollins.com that's l-o-o-p as in paul rollins.com and there's great videos of what he does and it was a really really incredible performance and his passion for you know the wild west shows of the past and keeping that heritage alive has taken him in a lot of different directions not to say the least of the snake river stampede but also to Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas America's Got Talent in Los Angeles and all the way to London to film and to coach and to train actors and act on the movie The Kingsman, The Golden Circle, plus many, many more things uh, that he's done, like The Adventures of Loop and Rhett, and all sorts of very interesting things. So I am just thrilled to have Loop on today and to talk all about his act and what we saw out there in Nampa, Idaho at the Snake River Stampede and, and what he's got coming up next. So everybody, we'll have that to you here in just a moment. Loop, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Matt. Yeah, you bet. I am really excited to be able to speak with you after seeing your act at the Snake River Stampede. I was lucky enough to see it uh, two times because I got to go twice. And uh, man, it was phenomenal. Congratulations on just an incredible act. Oh, thank you so much. I had a great time at the rodeo. Well, good. Well, I got, like I said, I got to go one night as a spectator and really take it all in. And one night I was there working with the 4-H and their concession stands for my daughter's 4-H club, but uh, both times, and, and it was kind of fun in the concessions. When your act came on, they were broadcasting it on the television out there in the concessions, and it was totally dead because everybody was in there watching you, and I stopped everybody in the concessions. I said, you have got to watch this, especially when the uh, the flaming rope, the you know, when you lit the rope on fire, I stopped everybody and said, you've got to watch this, and everybody just sat there transfixed uh, looking at the television monitor watching what you were doing. It was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I'd like to do this, if we could. Let's start off just by introducing yourself to our audience. And, and when I say that, what I'm saying is just a little bit about you. Like, where do you live? How many peop, you know, folks in your family? That type of stuff, Loop. Well, yeah, sure. Well, my name's Loop Rollins, and I live in Tucson, Arizona. Pretty much born and raised here. And uh, I have two kids of my own, an 8- and a 10-year-old, 8-year-old boy, 10-year-old girl, and a beautiful wife. 
And basically, I'm a Wild West performer, which means I travel keeping the lost skills of the Wild West alive, which for me is trick roping, whip cracking, gunsmithing. So I'll perform, of course, at rodeos like the Snake River Stampede, and I'll perform at also fairs, halftime shows, festivals, you know, anywhere I can bring joy and kind of spread the spirit of the Wild West is, is basically what I do. And I started when I was a kid, when I was about eight years old, and I just kept it going since then. I guess I never grew out of it. Still wanted to play cowboy, and here I am today, uh, keeping the Wild West alive. <laughs> Very cool. Now, how old are you now, Loop? I'm 32 years old now. Well, uh, that's a great story, and you've got your wife and your, your family, and your kids must enjoy kind of getting to practice with you and watch you do this. Oh, yeah, my kids definitely enjoy watching the shows. You know, they've seen my show thousands of times, so they're a little bit used to it. Oh, Dad, with his tricks. But whenever their friends see it, they're really amazed. And, and uh, my son's a pretty good roper. He's seven, almost eight years old, and he... Uh, He's really good at spinning some loops, and, and sometimes he's really into it. Other times he's kind of not as into it, so I'm kind of letting him, whenever he wants to do it, I encourage him to do it, but I'm not by any means forcing him saying, hey, you have to practice today, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I just let him go, you know, with his gut. You know, even though I want to teach him, like, the ways, you know, but I just, you know, I still want him to do what he's passionate about. Sure. Well, uh, you know, it could be an incredible story where he falls right in your footsteps and you're up there doing it together, or who knows, maybe he'll want to be a doctor and he just won't rope at all. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, his, his, his middle name, Colt, uh, Ethan Colt, and uh, I originally wanted his middle name to be Revolver, but my wife thought that was a bit too violent, so I went with Colt. Cult, like the cult so yeah, no, yeah, he has different interests. And first, he said he wanted to be a stuntman, and and do shows at the same time too. And then now he's kind of saying he wants to be an actor. So who knows what will happen? But I'm trying to support him in uh, anything he wants to do. Well, I there's no way for me to overstate just how much fun we had watching your show. I last night uh, we were coming back from our county fair here. We had to take my daughter's sheep in, and my wife and my daughter and I were talking about your show, and I said, hey, what questions do you have for Loop? And they just, they had a ton for me to <laughs> ask you. So, cause, I mean, we all had our own take on watching your show, uh, and, and I can't overstate how impressive it was. And so that's why I wanted to have you on. For anybody who wasn't lucky enough to go to the Snake River Stampede and see you do what you do, they really need to check you out. But I, I want to ask you about that. How did you get involved with the Snake River Stampede, and how did we get so lucky to have you up here in Nampa? Well, <laughs> I basically, their announcer, Boyd Pohamus, he met me in Denver, Colorado, for the Denver National Western Stock Show and Rodeo. And uh, I met him probably 2015, and I started doing rodeos in 2014, really doing a lot of rodeos early on in my career. I was just doing like festivals, fairs, and then someone found me. And, a barrel clown by an entertainer named John Harrison found me and said, you need to do rodeo. So I did Denver and then Boyd Paul Hamas saw me and said, Hey, you need to do snake river stampede. So he gave me their name and, and that's basically how I made it there. Awesome. Word of mouth. <laughs> awesome. Well, good. That's the best mar marketing there is. Did you yep. get to watch any of the rodeo while you were here or are you busy practicing getting ready to go out? No, definitely. I got to watch some of the rodeos, some of the tie down roping events. I got to watch the stampeders do their awesome formations with the horses, and that impresses me every time. I got to watch some of the bull riding and the barrel racing, so 
yeah, it's fun to. It's I, last year I did a lot of rodeos. This year I don't I don't have as many, so it was nice to watch. But uh, I, it was good. They had a really good show as far as production and putting everything together. Everything was really tight, and there's it's probably one of my top you know top two rodeos awesome. I've ever done. So yeah, and the and the, yeah. Sta- the Stampeders are really cool. Uh, the first time I saw them do what they do, I was blown away by that as well. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's neat that they do it and. I guess they audition. There's an audition process, and uh, those girls work pretty hard, and, oh, yeah. and uh, that's definitely appreciated. Well, that's awesome, Loop, getting to know you and getting to know a little bit more about you. I've got to take a commercial break, but when I come back, let's, let's talk about your act and kind of describe it to everybody who wasn't there, okay? Sure. When it comes to legendary performance, only a few chainsaws make the cut, like the Husqvarna lineup, available at D&B. Years of razor-sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti-vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with a Husqvarna. Pick one up at your favorite D&B supply. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. Okay, well, Loop, let's talk about your show. So for our audience who didn't get to watch it, or maybe we didn't see everything that you do, what are all the different things that you do and you incorporate into your act? Well, of course, the trick roping, which is rope spinning, trick and fancy rope handling, sometimes they say. And uh, that, you know, instead of roping a calf or roping a steer, you're actually spinning the rope, suspending the rope in midair. And it's funny because a lot of people don't even know that that skill exists. Trick mm-hmm. roping exists. Some modern town folk don't really know about trick roping. It's it's a skill you don't see very often, especially in 2018. Now, someone who made it really famous back in the day was, of course, Will Rogers, who was a political humorist, but he was also an amazing trick roper, and he has a great video called "The Rope and Fool," which y'all can check out, you know, on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, he kind of made it popular, but he he was a little bit more popular for his humor on the radio. That's where it started. And, and nowadays, there was a trick roper. He uh, passed a few years ago named Vince Bruce, mm-hmm. who did the Will Rogers Follies on Broadway. And he was a very popular trick roper, one of the most technical. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him and getting inspired to learn some of those tricks. And, and he's definitely one of the best. So it's, it's a unique skill, but I, I really love it. And in the show, what I'll do is a routine to music with the rope, spinning a rope, jumping through it, rolling the rope over my shoulder, rolling over my arm, you know, passing behind the back. You know, you really have to see it, you know, to get what it is. Yeah. But, you know, when I was a kid, when I first saw a cowboy spinning rope, I was just mesmerized. I said, man, I have to do that. And, I, and it all started from there as far as the roping goes. And then, of course, there's the bullwhip cracking. You know, everyone, I'm not sure if everyone's tried to crack a whip, but it's pretty dangerous uh, because when you're cracking a whip, the end of the whip travels about 750, 900 miles per hour. It's actually breaking the sound barrier. So you're hearing a mini sonic boom when a whip cracked. Uh-huh. So when I'm in the show, cracking the whips, you're reversing directions, and uh, it's a really nice display with the whips, and it's something that I've 
really wanted to do when I was a kid, but no one wanted to teach me because they were scared I was going to hurt myself. So I just <laughs> bought a whip, and then I just started going at it in my front yard. <laughs> wow. And then you've got the pistol spinning on top of that. Yeah, the gun spinning. That came up a little later. I got a job at a western town called Trail Bus Town here in Tucson, Arizona. Like a little mini theme park with a restaurant. They had a stunt show. And so I got hired when I was 14 years old. I approached them and said, hey, I do whip cracking, trick roping. You know, uh, can I perform here? Uh, you know, I was a kid. And they said, yeah, you can do the pre-show to our stunt show for a minimum wage. But still, you know, at 14 to get a job yeah. in front of an audience, that was pretty awesome. So I was there. Now, when I was a kid, I loved my cap gun. I would try to spin it. But when I got to the stunt show, of course, the gunfighters there, they spun their guns a lot. So I said, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to spin my gun, too. So I started practicing gun spinning with them. And basically, I kept practicing and passed all of them up. And then I, later on, I started making part of the act. And I think, you know, a Wild West performer, a cowboy who can handle a rope, a whip, and a pistol, that's like the triple threat <laughs> of a cowboy right there. You know, like singing, dancing, acting. For me, it was rope, trick roping, whip cracking, gun spinning. And I think it's a great combination to have all three. And uh, unfortunately, these days, the guns are getting a little bit more declined than they used to, even sure. though they're historical. They say, no, 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 we don't want guns, like only the ropes and whips. So it's been kind of a struggle lately to do some shows, especially on the corporate side. They just, when they hear the word gun, even if it's fake, yeah, just the fact that it looks like a gun, they're kind of being a little bit oppressive when it comes to that. So that, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's an unfortunate sign of the times and uh, kind of knee-jerk reactions a little bit to, to that. I mean, obviously what you're doing is not uh, threatening. It's 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 historic, like you're saying. It's a semblance of, you know, the 19th century, not even the 20th century. But, uh, yeah, I know, yeah. That, I know that's going on. Well, I, I've got to tell you that while we're sitting there watching you, that the night we got to go to the rodeo and be spectators and, and we're watching you and you started off with the gun spinning, and I'm going to tell you right now that I know a lot of people in the Idaho Center were on the edge of their seats nervous for you. I, I absolutely was because it looked so complicated and so difficult. And with you like spinning them behind your back and throwing them over your shoulder and then balancing one gun on top of the other and all this and that, I was so nervous for a mistake or for something to happen. It just looked impossible or you, what, you, what you were doing. Of all the tricks that you do, uh, which one does make you the most nervous? Are, are there any of them where you go, you know, when you get it done right, you kind of take a, an internal deep breath and go, I, I did it? <laughs> Pretty much the whole show? No, I'm kidding. No, I mean, there's a lot of spots that are like worry spots. Like the fire is dangerous when I do the fire lasso. So the fire rope routine is dangerous because, you know, if it gets kind of caught on something or I'm off a little bit, it can kind of wrap around my leg and I could get hurt and then that doesn't look good. There was one night I was doing a rose out of my mouth and the whip kind of wrapped around my face. It didn't hurt, but it kind of wrapped around my face and uh -huh. I had to do it again, so I had a little mistake there. Um, luckily, the gun spinning routine, the whole week I didn't drop my guns once. But definitely the first night I was pretty nervous because I didn't do a rehearsal under their show lighting. Okay. So when I'm throwing the guns over my shoulders, there could be a light like a spotlight right in my eyes, and then it, my gun just gets lost. You know, I can't yeah. see where my gun is. But luckily, the lighting was really good. I could see everything really well. And when I did my first rodeo, I dropped my gun, and the whole crowd went, <laughs> They kind of did like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, it sucks. But as a performer, it's one of those things. You kind of get worked up, and, oh, man, I don't want to mess up because people are going to, like, really make a big deal out of it and blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of times, if you mess up a trick, 
you know, the next day people aren't thinking to themselves, oh, man, you remember that cowboy that dropped his gun yesterday? That was so terrible. They, they got a lot of other things to worry about, like personal life, finances, the kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I doubt they're, like, pondering, oh, Luke, and messed up the gun. They, they don't care the next day. They have a whole set of new problems in life to worry about. So that's one thing that does help me is thinking, it, I think to myself, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, you try not to mess up, you do your best. But usually when you're nervous about messing up, you know what you usually do is you mess up. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just, confidence is half of the battle, especially when you're performing in front of, you know, I, I don't know how many people are in that arena, but sometimes there's 8,000 people and all eyes on you and spotlights. Yep. And I'm up there for about nine minutes performing. I mean, that's a long time. And whenever you're doing something, you, you, especially performing, you can't. You have to really be, I don't care what people think attitude. And not in a mean way, just in a, I'm just going to do this. Right. You know, you, you have to have that attitude. And I've learned that luckily from some experiences. Uh, when I was in Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas for three years, I got a contract and I, I did a five-minute act in this Viva Elvis show. I didn't I didn't play Elvis, but they just did a Western medley and I did my I did an act. Okay. And that was really nerve-wracking because I've only done smaller shows. So that really helps me get used to doing shows in front of bigger crowds and helps me uh, get over nerves because nerves can kill you. <laughs> Absolutely. You brought up the flaming lasso, and I've got to explain to everybody I mean, this is legit. The entire rope is on fire, the flames are big, and you are standing in the middle of it, spinning it around you. And I mean, it's it's a phenomenal trick, and uh, it's got to be dangerous. Yeah. And, and that's one of the questions my daughter wanted me to ask you, is have you ever burnt yourself while you were practicing or doing a performance? Definitely. Um, when I was with Cirque du Soleil, I did a fire, and uh, one time the rope wrapped around my wrist, and so I have a little scar from that. But usually there's no major injuries since I wear um, like a leather vest, cotton pants. You always want to wear cotton when you're using fire because polyester will melt and uh -huh. it'll melt into your skin. It's, so that's bad. So I usually use cotton because that kind of ashes out. So I'm usually pretty well protected. I've had had the rope kind of wrap around my foot or something, but I, I'm pretty good at staying calm and just getting out of it mm -hmm. and recovering. But the main thing that bugs me on a regular basis with the fire is that if the temperature where I'm performing is over 80 degrees, 85 degrees, uh -huh. um, and the fire's hot, I'll, like, lose my eyelashes, basically. They'll get completely <laughs> singed up. Or I'll lose, like, some hair. I'll lose. I wear leather gloves, too, to protect my hands because I'll get a lot of, like, you know, little burns or, like, yeah. hair. Just the pure heat of it being around me, like, kind of melts. It, so if it's too hot in the room, it'll melt me. So but that happened at the Snake River Stampede. I, uh, the first night, I, like, lost some eyelashes. And then one night, it, the fire was so hot, all the fluid in my eye dried up, and I, I couldn't open one of my eyes. It was closed. Oh. <laughs> and I had to open it, physically open it up when I was doing my routine. And I don't know, that that's never happened, but, but you know, it is dangerous. So even if I'm having a bad show, like Tuesday I had a little rough, a rough show as far as some technical aspects with the rope. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but whenever I get to the fire, no matter how tired I am, I say, okay, you're dealing with fire. Whatever happened before is in the past. Just focus on this because this is dangerous. Yeah, having to uh, ha having to manually open your eyes—that's some commitment to your art form, right there, Luke. <laughs> yeah, one hand was on the rope, and then one hand like had to like open my eye. Like, I don't know. That's never happened before. I don't know exactly what happened, but it just was so hot. So of course, you know, if it's the temperature outside, especially in Tucson, even if I'm doing a night performance, oh yeah, I'll never do fire. 
because it's still almost 100 degrees, 96 degrees, you know, and then yeah. with that fire, it's just, huh. you just get cooked. So the, the rope that you light on fire, is that a cotton rope or what, what do you use? And then what do you, what's the accelerant? What do you dip it in or pour on it to get it to flame like that? Sure, yeah. The, uh, the fire rope I use is Kevlar rope. Oh, okay. Um, and I guess firemen use it. And, uh, and also other fire performers, just in general, they use Kevlar. It's basically fire resistant. But over time, of course, it'll wear out. It's only so much fire resistant. And I use Coleman camping fuel. Um, so white gas. Okay. So it's very fast burning. So I don't recommend a person going out there and trying it. <laughs> but <laughs> but because uh, I was a very, very, I got very good at trick roping before I even touched fire. And there's been a few people, some videos of people doing it and getting wrapped. Even a friend of mine who does mainly whips and does uh -huh. a little roping, he tried doing it and wrapped himself and got pretty stuck. But then got out. And then another performer who wasn't as skilled with the rope kind of wrapped the legs and in a practice and there was a video and it was, it was kind of scary, but you know, so it's one of those things you just, you have to be skilled as a rope artist, a trick roper before you, uh, involve fire. Cause, uh, it's it just, it's dangerous. I would think. All right. Well, let's take another commercial break. I've got uh, I've a bunch more questions about your performance to ask you when we come back. Things are heating up around here at D&B. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high-performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator EcoChoice. These classic pellet and wood-burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator EcoChoice stoves can warm up your home. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So D&B Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. All right, Loop. Well, I, you know, as we went out for the break, you said something that uh, that's very true, that uh, you got to be very careful when you're working with fire. I wanted to ask you about one of your other tricks, and that's when you put the rose in your mouth and you split it with the whip. I was watching this, and I was trying to watch it so closely, especially the second night I was there, and I could see it on the television monitor. Are you whipping that rose with the end of the whip? Is it the end of the whip is what's breaking that in two? No, um, it's kind of the middle of the whip. Okay. -ish, but uh, there is a variation where you can do it with more of the end of the whip um, that I used to do where I, I'm facing forward instead of up. And I did that for a while because mm -hmm. it was more of the end of the whip. But the funny thing was is that it wasn't as impressive to the audience, the visual. So it's one of those things, like even with, with whip cracking and trick roping, there's some tricks that are really hard technically but if they're not visual, that's what matters right. is the visualness of the trick. Like, so that one, yeah, it's in the middle. But still, what's happening is the end of the whip is kind of passing by your head and your face. So it's still dangerous because there was even one time I was doing a show and I was doing that trick and there was a post nearby and I went fast and I hit my neck with the end of the whip doing that same trick and started bleeding in the middle of the show. Oh, really? Yeah. 
So I had a microphone on, so I tried to make a joke out of it, but <laughs> but people knew that I that I that I messed up. So so yeah, um, they, so there is a variation where I can do without it, but it's just not as big and visual. Uh-huh. Where I whip it with the end of the with with the end of the mouth. So it's one of those things as a performer you have to do that. Where if I saw a, if a trick roper saw my show, I want them to be impressed. But also, what mainly it is about is to entertain the crowd. And if they don't know trick roping and whips, you have to cater your show to them because mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Very interesting. Now, you got your first paying job when you were 14, but when did you first start doing this? When did you first pick up a rope, I guess, and, and start teaching yourself how to do this? I started uh, spinning rope when I was about eight, just some basic tricks, the flat loop, spinning a little loop, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't know much of it. And then we found out about this trick roping group that started in Tucson when I was about 12. So that, of course, I got really excited about that, and I joined the group. It was a, called the Will Rogers Trick Roping Club. Okay. But it was also called the Cactus Cowboy Corral. And so there were some other kids in the group, and I joined it, and I got really into it. When we were practicing where they'd say, oh, it's break time, all the kids would go on break. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who would want to go on break? This is awesome. Like, this is the break. So I was more dedicated. I practiced, and then we did some demonstrations. Got to do a few demonstrations, like with the group. So that was kind of nice. You know, even though they would do all the talking, I was able to get a little bit in front of a small crowd. And we did a demonstration, showed them the flat loop and the wedding ring. And basically, there came a time when I was about 14 when I got the job at the town, where they I was getting too good, and they wanted to give everyone equal time, even though the group, even though I was the hardest worker. Okay. So I sort of. I sort of outgrew everybody because I was just, you know, I just was really into it and I was really dedicated. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go on my own and do tricks. I just knew it was time. Even as sure. a four, you know, 14 years old, I was like, I'm past this. So, so that's when I got the job at Travis Town. And then, you know, I found out that there's actually Wild West performers. Uh-huh. I didn't know that there was actually professionals that did shows like Vince Bruce, you know, Monty Montana. Like there's these cowboys that actually made a living trick roping and whip cracking or gun spinning and performing you know, at events. And I had no idea. So I thought, wow, that's amazing. And uh, I remember my first check was $30. And I was, I was like on cloud nine. <laughs> <laughs> I made $30 from like spinning a rope and being in front of people. That was amazing. That is amazing. So yeah, so I just, so I, I did about three nights a week at that town and then uh, kept practicing. In between shows, I would just practice all the time. I'd go and I'd gun spin, I'd practice, practice. And then I got a job at a dude ranch. They kind of gave me an audition. Hey, let's try one show. And I did a trial show. Then they had me at that dude ranch. And I did another dude ranch. So I had three different places I was performing at. And then, you know, I just kept getting better and learning from experiences. And, I, and I, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to add new tricks to the show. I'm still trying to, to better myself as a performer and uh, take it to the next level whenever I can. And, you know, I, I never think that anyone, everyone should strive to be better. Well, Luke, when you were a young man, and uh, not that you're not anymore, but when you were a really young man and you were doing this all the time, uh, did you have any traditional hobbies, uh, sports or activities or anything like that, or was it always 100% Wild West related? <laughs> That's funny. No, I did, actually. Uh, I was a normal kid once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, really, I was a normal kid. My mom's a medical doctor, general practitioner. My dad's a professor in electrical engineering. And uh, I didn't come from a cowboy family, so people always think that's funny that I, it came from my parents both have, you know, accomplished degrees, and and I decided to become a cowboy that spins a rope. So that's, that's kind of ironic. 
but yeah, when I was a kid, I uh, did a lot of different sports, soccer, baseball, but I really latched on to basketball. So I okay. played basketball, and when I was, I played for a club team when I was 14, we won the city championship, and then I started playing some high school basketball as I was performing. But, you know, basketball, it was fun, but there was no, I wasn't good enough. I was good. I was a starter, uh-huh. but I wasn't, I, I knew I wasn't good enough. I didn't, I wasn't dedicated enough. Like, I, I think I enjoyed roping and entertaining people and putting smiles on their faces more than competing. I knew that dream wasn't as plausible. I never had a dream, like, I need to be an NBA player or something. I, that was never, I just enjoyed the game. And so there was a time where I decided to, to just not do varsity basketball because the practice would conflict too much with my performances. Sure. So uh, I decided to go to that. But yeah, uh, besides that, I played the drum set when I was about 12, like 12-ish. I started playing the drum set a little bit so I can I can bust a good beat on a drum set <laughs> uh, if I wanted to. So, so that's kind of fun. Uh, I also uh, like uh, ballroom dancing slash country dancing. I did a little bit of that for a little bit. My brother took a class and then I took a class and actually met my wife at a dance class. So those are some other hobbies okay. that I've kind of had. But definitely performing, trick roping, and, and, you know, when I was a kid, we made little movies, films, and then when I got older, I was involved in some movies. I did. I was on the History Channel, you know, as an extra or featured on AMC or something. And so I've had a lot of film and TV has definitely been a, a special place in my heart, and I've been continuing that as well. So it's fun to try out different things, but then, you know, that's good for, I think, like with my kids, I'm trying to get them to try a lot of different things, uh-huh. and then they'll find out what they really like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that mention of uh, of television and all of that is a great segue into our next break. So let's take a commercial break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about that Hollywood career that you've been exposed to. Perfect. At D&B Supply, we believe happiness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes to our pets. So give them Hill Science Diet for many happy wags and purrs. Using only high-quality ingredients, Hill Science Diet is expertly crafted for lifelong health. With formulas for every age, size, and special nutritional requirements, from joint care, oral health, and weight management, it's the number one choice of vets to feed their pets. Keep your pet happy-go-lucky and pick up Hill Science Diet at D&B. We love George Strait for more than his music. After 56 number one singles, George is still a family man and a real cowboy. That's why we love him, and that's why he wears nothing but Wrangler. The George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler has a huge selection of styles a cowboy can be comfortable wearing anywhere. So head to your favorite D&B supply and try the George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler. Long live cowboys. All right, Loop. Well, let's talk about your film career, your stage career, and all of that. You've really done some amazing things. And and here's what I know about, although you just mentioned AMC and the History Channel, which I did not know about, but I know about Cirque du Soleil, America's Got Talent, and the Kingsman movie, The Golden Circle, and then, of course, The Adventures of Loop and Rhett. What order did these come in, uh, those four things? So it all started with uh, Cirque du Soleil came first. I was working that show and there was actually one of the tech crew that was in the filmmaking as well. And I told him that I did a couple short films. So uh, he saw them and said, hey, you know what? I want to do a project as well. So uh, he had connections because I was in Vegas at the time, in Vegas. So that's when we met and uh, started creating The Adventures of Lupin Rhett. So we filmed that, and uh, it garnered several awards and festivals. On Black Hills Film Festival, it got the best short film. So that was 
NASA project to work on. And then about a, a year later, the America's Got Talent contacted me and said, hey, we want your audition. And I was kind of skeptical about that, but I decided, hey, you know what? There's no risk, no reward, so I decided to go for it. And I made it through the first round, got four yeses, and then made it through the second round, got to the third round, and uh, that's where it ended at the quarterfinals. So I was two away from winning. But even then, I was just amazed to get that far. Cause, uh, just because the trick roping is not a popular thing in 2019. Like, so my challenge was, how can I make this fresh for the audience? How can I make this more exciting? So it was, it was a challenge because not many people have ever tried to spin a rope. Yeah. So how are they going to difficulty? Whereas, you know, you hear a singer, you go, wow, they're an amazing singer. I've tried to sing. I don't sound like that. But for me, no one's tried to spin a rope. They have zero perspective because it looks easy. You know, it looks really easy. And, and whenever I teach people how to try, like in my longer version of my show, I'll have someone try to spin a rope. And then the audience gets a little bit of perspective on the difficulty. So that was one thing to, to get that far on that show. And then uh, after that, um, you know, I have videos online. I guess somewhere the action team, um, it was actually uh, the action director, Brad Allen. He worked with Jackie Chan. He actually doubled Jackie Chan a couple of times. And he's a guy from Australia. And he found me. And he's really, there's so much computer graphics these days in films. You know, nothing's real nowadays. It's all green screen. And they put everything with computer graphics. Uh-huh. But he was a little bit more into, hey, I want to see real skills. Like, you know, with martial arts. It's real skills. So when they said we have this part where we need a guy to do something with the rope, so they brought me in, and uh, I did a test scene with these stuntmen in L.A., and it's a really cool scene. And it's not really out there, but it's a really cool scene, and we did a test scene, and then that's when they brought me to London. And I spent off and on about seven weeks. I'd come home for shows, fly back to London, work on the sunset. So that was a huge learning experience over there. And... Um, I guess my goal right now is I'm developing, I'm writing a, a Western series. I want to create something that has a lot of, you know, the action adventure grit. It also has a great story with it. And it's something that families could watch, you know, so probably be about a PG 13 rating. Okay. Still have you know, the grit of the old West, but there wouldn't be of course any nudity or like cussing you know, at that level. I mean, maybe like dang it or something, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, because I was inspired by movies when I was a kid, you know, watching Zorro and Indiana Jones, and that had some scary stuff in it, but they didn't take it to the next level with nudity. Like, if you watch HBO, you know, Game of Thrones, like, how are your kids going to be inspired? Like, so I want to have characters that are still flawed and have their problems. My character would have his flaws and struggles so he, people can relate to him. But it's also someone, you know, there's some lessons that kids and people could learn in the story. And we can also have great action. So I think there's nothing out there right now with that feel. And that's something I've been working on a lot. And I've been uh, meeting with different producers. Hopefully, you know, Netflix could be. Netflix has a lot of money for producing. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to look into that. So that's where I'm at as far as the movie and the film career. But uh, definitely going to happen. I just don't know what scale, like, of production it's going to be. So I'm I'm aiming high. I'm shooting (laughs) high. The goal is to entertain people and, and keep the Wild West going and, and create something that's new and fresh for the younger generation to see. And uh, it may be a hard sell because a lot of people just want some kind of sci-fi. Yeah. Sort of sci-fi deal, which I enjoy some sci-fi. Like, I enjoy, you know, superheroes. But at the same time, they're hard to relate to because, like, you know, I, I like characters. 
mm-hmm. like Batman or, or Zoro, where they're just normal guys that had to work to become good at their <laughs> skill. They had to earn it. They, they weren't magically given a hammer and then they can, <laughs> no offense, Thor, but it didn't mean to go off too far on a tangent. No, no. There you go. It's fascinating to hear about, and and you know I was thinking about that too with your role on the Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Did they make that role specific for you because of what you can do, or did they already want somebody who could do rope tricks, and they went out and found somebody who could, which happened to be you? Yeah. So basically, what happened is they said we want a guy that has a rope and does something with the rope. Okay. Like, and he's a Kentucky, like kind of a cowboy. So when they were searching, they found me, and I did ropes. They saw I did ropes, whips, and guns. Uh-huh. They said, wait, we want our character now to do ropes, whips, and guns like this guy. Awesome. So I did the test scene, and then they cast the actor for that part after I did my test scene. So actually, they're on the Blu-ray disc of The Kings in the Golden Circle, there's a behind-the-scenes that shows it, and the director kind of talks about me and shows some of the behind-the-scenes of me trying to train the actor. The actor did a few small, like a whip-cracking tricks, he did a big whip crack. I taught him how to do that. That was awesome. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, working. I got to work with Colin first. He won an Academy Award for his work in the King's Speech. And they'd edit the scene right after the fight. There's an editor that will start piecing it together as we're shooting it. They'll start piecing it together so we see what we have. And Colin first was next to me. We were watching some of the action, the whips. And he, and he, he touched my shoulder and said, amazing loop. <laughs> I was like, what? An Academy Award winning actor told me amazing that what no, I'm not amazing. I'm just a clown with the rope. So that was that was a huge compliment and everyone was really kind and, and my last day on set, like I got a nice like ovation I guess and applause like for being there and all my work on it and so it was just a like long, challenging at times experience, but it was fun. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take our last break, and when we come back, I, I just want to know a little bit more about your family and how everybody has kind of taken to this career path for you. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. Like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw, available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite D&B supply. You work hard, you play hard, and you wear burn. Durable clothing that fits the bill no matter what you're up to. Available at your favorite D&B. Since 1915, Burn has supplied busy Americans with workwear made right, made affordable, and made to get to work. Whether you're earning a living or just living large, Burn clothing is rugged, comfortable, and perfect for the whole family. Pick up Burn gear at D&B Supply and be ready for wherever life takes you. Well, Loop, uh, you've got you've got a very unconventional career, and everybody listening right now is jealous of all the experiences and everything that you get to do. Uh, what did your family and your friends think about you turning this into a full-time career? Well, I think my parents, well, especially my parents, being them both having their degrees, my mom a doctor, my dad an engineer, they both thought it was a good thing when I was 13, 14, right, doing these shows, like little mini shows. They go, okay, good, he's keeping busy with this Western trick so he won't get into trouble. Uh-huh. But when I kept doing it till I was 18, 19, then they started getting concerned because they go, this, to them, this isn't a real job. And their friends, 
it didn't seem like a real job. So basically, yeah, I started working a little bit and I was doing okay. But I mean, a lot of people did, they sort of thought it was silly, I guess. Some people think you either are an amateur, like you do it for fun, or you're a celebrity. But really, there's an in-between market where you can perform and do shows. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's mixed feelings on it. There's a few people that said that I shouldn't do it, that there's too much competition and it's like it just won't be secure. There's those type of people that would say that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just ignored it because I love doing it. But then after I was on America's Got Talent, you know, some people, all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork. Hey, I knew you could do it. <laughs> Like, wait a second, you thought this was silly before. No, I knew you. Like, come on. So it's interesting, yeah, being on American Got Talent, that really gave me some perspective on, on who your friends really were and who is just liking you for just because you're on TV. Sure. But yeah, but as far as family life, my wife has been super supportive. I met her when I was about 17, and I said, hey, you want to come see my show at a ranch? And she's like, uh, she didn't know I did any of that. She's like, yeah, I guess. She goes, what do you do? I said, oh, yeah, I, I, do. I use ropes, whips, and guns. <laughs> so that was a – but she liked the show, and, and she supported me ever since, and she has good input. She knows me really well, so she can definitely know how it could be better. Like, she just knows me. And uh, she's able to travel me, with me. She was able to come to London, for, and she was able to be on set at Kingsman, and she was with me on America's Got Talent for my audition, and so she's been definitely – you know, behind every man is a great woman. She's been that great woman, and uh, that's been awesome. And uh, my kids don't like it when I leave, so I try not to leave for too long. Uh-huh. But they're good, and they know what I have to do. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been kind of crazy. And the one thing about this job is you never know what call you're going to get. You never know where you're going to be. Yeah. You know, one time I got a call. Hey, we're doing the show for seven people and two, and two bodyguards. Okay, I guess I'll do it in Utah in this random spot. Out of the middle of nowhere. I'm like, well, we can't tell you who it is. So then so I got there and about to do the show, and it was George Lucas. Really? And, yeah. So I got to do this, like, private show for George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars. And uh, I, even though I wanted to fan out, I'd, I'd be a fanboy and be like, hey, I love your work. I, I didn't do that. I just did my thing and left. But that was, that was pretty awesome. You know, I never knew I'd have opportunities. Uh, there was one fundraiser I did in L.A., where Harrison Ford was in attendance. So I got to do a mini show for Indiana Jones, one of my inspirations when I was a kid. And uh, I had to get a picture with him, so of course I got a photo with him. But it's been a crazy ride, and there's, there's always challenges and ups and downs, and uh, you just have to enjoy every moment of it and learn from every lesson. Well, you know, that's funny, because, of course, George Lucas and Harrison Ford, I mean at least in the 1980s, they made the bullwhip popular again. And so here you were doing it. I'm sure they both wanted to see what you could do with the whip. Yeah, no, they definitely enjoyed it. And and I had one whip with me as I met Harrison Ford, and he was talking to me about Indiana Jones, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull film that he did. And he actually held one of my bullwhips and then, like, looked at it. So, of course, now I have that bullwhip, and whenever I see it, I just, I'm like, oh, he touched this whip. Indiana Jones touched this bullwhip. <laughs> So I don't, I don't never use that whip in a show. It just it stays in the, it's, uh, on the shelf. Yeah, but they did. They made it popular, and, you know, Harrison Ford, and like, with the way he was, you know, he was cool, but he also, you know, had his fun moments. I like that. He had good character. I really liked his character, and so it was, it was awesome to be able to meet him and 
it's crazy where things take you. Yep. Um, if you stick to something. Yep, that's absolutely true. Loop, that is a great place to end it, talking about a, you know the Indiana Jones getting to check out your own bullwhip. Very, very cool experience. Thank you so much for coming up here and entertaining us all at the Snake River Stampede, and thanks for coming on the show today and, and sharing your story with us. It's pretty awesome. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I, I appreciate you. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. 